Welcome back to Ableton Cast. This is your host, Kevin, episode three. This is the show where we talk all about Ableton and then whatever else I want to talk about. Could be Bruce Wayne, could be Richard Simmons. It could be Donald Trump's hair. How does he do it? No one knows. But welcome back. Thank you for returning. I promise you won't be disappointed. But if you are, don't worry, I've set up a hate line. So if you hate Ableton, or if you hate me, you can call in, get it off your chest. Up next is my conversation with a really cool guy, a guy named Thomas. I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm not even going to try. I'm going to let him do it shortly. Thomas is from South Africa originally and now lives in London. He's an Ableton certified trainer, wicked drummer, all around nice guy. Thomas and I are both part of the Ableton Live Brighton user group. That's how we met. So we haven't actually met in person, but we've talked on Skype. We had a great conversation. I have to say, this is the first time. Skype did get a little bit crazy. The good old Skype gremlins did show up and they kind of wreaked a bit of internet havoc. Some glitches, some pops, so just bear with us. Sorry, sometimes things just want to go crazy and you just got to roll with it. Hello everybody, welcome to Ableton Cast. Um, today I have a special guest, a man from South Africa who now lives in London. His name is, well actually I'm going to let him say his name, just so that we get the pronunciation right. So, <laughs> Hi, this is Thomas Glendening. Do you want to give the listeners just a, a bit of an intro on you, sort of who, what you do and cool. how you've ended so, up here in England? Yeah, so I've, I've just recently moved to London from Cape Town, South Africa. I won't go too much into the details about why I've moved here. Um, but mostly what I do with my time is, so I'm an Ableton certified trainer. I teach Ableton Live and music production, um, do whether that's sort of private lessons, workshops, that sort of thing. Then I'm also a musician and have been a musician for the past uh, 11 or 12 years. I'm originally a drummer. And that was sort of how I got into music, playing drums in just rock bands. And then eventually I discovered electronic music production. Um, and so now drums are a bit of a sort of restrictive instrument because you can't just kind of set them up and play anyway. Yeah. So I've sort of transitioned more into just doing electronic stuff because I can slap on a pair of headphones and do that wherever. Um, and so I do solo electronic music production as Elephant, but spelt a bit weirdly. It's E-L-P-H-N-T. So yeah. it's like Elephant, but with only the first vowel. Um, and then also as Elephant, I use that sort of name uh, to create music production resources. And I've got a website that I run, elephant.co.za, and I sort of create music production tools for Ableton Live, like sample packs, uh, Ableton presets, Max for Live devices, that sort of thing. Um, oh, and then amazing. I also, then I also uh, perform or have been performing for the last three or so years as part of a band called Original Swimming Party. So we were based in Cape Town, so the sort of moving to London has made that kind of interesting. We're still sort of going as a long distance band. Um, and if, if anyone listening knows of a program called Splice, which lets you sort yeah. of work yeah, remotely, Splice, collaborate. Yeah. 
yeah, collaborate remotely on um, tracks via the internet. So that's become our best friend. There's just the two of us in the band, uh, me and a, a vocalist, pianist, also sort of producer. Um, and so we actually have just recently finished an album and we, we did all the mixing and mastering of the album via Splice, uh, which wow. was an interesting experience um, and sort of a bit delayed having to make adjustments, send it to him in South Africa, he would make adjustments, send it back. Um, so it did sort of extend the process probably a little bit longer than it would have taken otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's then that's the other thing that I do is, is as part of Original Swimming Party. And as I mentioned, we've just released our first full-length album. Um, so we're sort of sitting on that at the moment, uh, still trying to figure out how exactly we're going to work out the gigging side of things remotely. Yeah. Uh, he might come across here at some stage and we'll play a bunch of gigs around, uh, around this side of the world. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. So yeah, that's that's kind of mostly what I do. Now, are are you guys all using Ableton, or are each of you using sort of different different DAWs to record? So he, when we started working together, he was very much kind of Pro Tools. Um, he just come from more of a, just a recording background. Um, but I very quickly told him that he needed to get his head wrapped around Ableton. So he's been slowly learning Ableton over the last few years, and now he does. Uh, most of the production and that sort of stuff in in Ableton also just because it makes it easier for us to be able to share session files yeah um, but I think he still does a lot of his uh, actual tracking for his vocals um, and any sort of live parts that he plays in he does the tracking in Pro Tools and then brings it in Ableton but yeah we're working with Ableton for most of the production stuff so mixing uh, all the synthesis uh, all the programming that sort of stuff now this track that I've been playing in the background as we speak is yours and I believe it's called Undrum really great song thanks I love I love the bass in it I'm a bass player so I, my okay. ears sort of always sort of kind of hone in on, on what the bass is doing and it's um, really nice and tight and, yeah. well, so, so it's kind of it's actually a bit of an interesting there's a bit of a, a story to that bass line um, so this particular track we've probably been sitting on it for about two years it's, I think it's the oldest second oldest track on the album that we've had um, and originally it was actually a guitar line uh, so we used to have a guitarist as as a permanent member of the band um, so it was a guitar line that he'd played but uh, then fed through an octave pedal uh, to make it sort of into a bass line which yeah. I then kind of chopped the pattern that he played and made a bass line and it sort of sat as that for like a year and then we decided no we wanted to actually make it a synth so we kind of took the bass line and made it into various sort of synths with a sort of similar melodic pattern uh, but when we were finally getting down to producing the album we just weren't quite happy with the tone of the synth so we actually got in um, a really phenomenal bass player and he basically just took the synth part and played an electric bass yeah. But it was amazing just hearing how much difference going from like a MIDI synth bass that was yeah. just sort of on the grid and very static to having a real player play it. Yeah. It, it was actually a situation where sort of I was feeling very stuck with this particular track and I didn't know where to go next. We got this guy and he played the bass and immediately just switched the whole thing around for me. Um, just added a whole new life to the track. So just a bit of oh, that. Oh, wicked. There's some. Um, so I've listened to the song, I think, front, front to back. And my favorite section, it happens a few times, but I think it happens about a minute 26. So I don't know if you know much about uh, the chord structure. I don't know if you if that was you or if that was someone else uh, who did it, if that was the other guy who did it. But there's this 
point where it goes to like the second minor and then it goes to like one over three and then it goes to the four yeah. and that's like that section uh, is quite quite magical for me <laughs> so uh, yeah when it comes to chords and that sort of thing uh, I, I know what you're talking about when you say the one over four and all that sort of stuff but when I'm actually writing stuff, because uh, I mean, being a drummer, I don't have very much uh, melodic background, yeah, um, so sure. I generally just I just write what sounds good, um, and don't really know too much what's happening technically behind the head. So it's interesting you, you just you hearing hearing you say that about the chords. Yeah, yeah, great. Okay, so we've just played your track, we've just played a bit of your track. So since we're talking about it, do you want to just? Um, just give us a bit of a breakdown on what was going on in that track. You don't have to tell us everything, but if you just kind of tell us, you know, what was on the drums, were they real drums, was it all program stuff, what plugins you had going, and anything notable. Cool. So this is, uh, particular track is probably one of uh, the denser tracks in terms of my sort of personal style of production. I generally like to kind of try and keep the number of elements quite minimal, um, and so end up having sort of a track count, maybe 20 to 30 tracks, yeah. uh, whereas this particular track has about 60 different tracks in it. Oh, wow. Um, so there's quite a lot of layers, of, particularly in the percussion, there's a lot of layers. Um, so the track sort of started with uh, just MIDI drums when we were, we were programming it, but as we got to the production phase of this, um, we wanted to give it a bit more of an organic feel, so we then recorded in a lot of, of played elements, layered on top of the the actual synth sort of drums. Well, not synth drums, but sampled drums. Yeah. Um, so, for example, I can probably play, if I just solo here, you'll hear. don't know how loud that is for you. Um, I can definitely hear it. Yeah, it sounds like a bit of percussion. So that... That is actually me uh, with a wooden spoon on a wooden salad bowl playing some <laughs> some claves, um, which in the track you can sort of barely hear it, but it just adds a nice little bit of groove to it. There's also some live shakers which I play in, so I'm, I'm very much a fan of playing stuff in live. Yeah. Um, even if the basis is sort of programmed MIDI, playing stuff in live, particularly with stuff like percussion and shakers, um, to give it a bit of groove and sort of real kind of human swing. Um, yeah, there's even sort of live claps, which I've recorded just multiple layers of claps in the rhythm track. So that in it, all the claps that you hear in the track are me actually clapping. Oh, really? That's interesting. Because when I was listening to it, I thought, oh, I wonder, I wonder what sort of a sample pack these claps are <laughs> from. But no, that was you. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of the sound of claps, the actual sound of it, I, f I find that a sample pack would do fine for the sound. But when it comes to the, the groove of getting it played in and actually going in and recording one take of the claps and sort of playing and then going in and layering in another clap, just those small differences that you get between each take, um, even if I'm playing the same rhythm, just the slight timing differences adds that nice human element yeah. uh, that, that I think can, can bring a track alive. Um, yeah, so there's quite a few layers of percussion. <clears throat> I'm just looking at the Ableton session here. I've got a kick track, a snare track. Um, there's the live claps track. There's some uh, programmed in toms. Uh, there's various sort of layers of symbols that, that come in at different points. Um, there's even sort of, which again, I'll play you over here. Uh, 
is kind of a, a gated noise track, which we use as a, a symbol as well, yeah. which is gated. It's gated to the snare drum. So every time the snare drum hits, it sort of unmutes this modulated noise to create a bit of a crash symbol sound. Um, and then again, there's sort of various layers of percussion from that, that clave with the wooden spoon uh, to live shakers. Um, then sort of, uh, yeah, I mentioned a little bit about the bass and the history of, of behind how the bass came about. And so now in the final version of this track, most of the track is a live electric bass. Is it a five um, string? I thought I kind of... No, heard. no, I think it's just a, it's just a regular... Uh, yeah. This is, that's my favorite. This particular bass line, this sort of triplet bass line is my favorite part of the whole song. It's just so, so nice. Yeah, it just grooves really nicely is with it, the with the drums. So is that just unedited, or did you guys have to edit the the timing of the bass at all? No, I mean the bassist that we we used is an absolute awesome. killer bassist. I've actually I played with him. I played drums with him in a, a different band. Um, so I was very sort of used to his playing style and, and how he plays. And he's just yeah, he's got phenomenal grooves. So yeah, he just wow. laid it down. I don't think we, I mean, didn't quantize it or anything. He just laid it down, and it sounded great. Yeah, really, really good. Um, yeah, and there's sort of various layers of synths uh, to the track as well. I'll just actually solo a bunch of the synths and, and sort of play a section. So we often spend quite a bit of time refining the sound of our synths um, in our tracks. Uh, and so, for example, this particular synth, that kind of paddy synth yeah. is... Uh, that's from a Nord. So the keyboardist okay. I work with, uh, Jeremy, he's got a, a Nord synthesizer that he sort of played in, whereas the melody that was going on on top of that, that's just an Ableton synth. So yeah. we do a lot of mixing between using soft synths and whatever sort of hardware we can get our hands on. Oh, that sounds great. Can you uh, go to, um, I don't know if you're able to do it, but yeah. I think about a minute, one minute, 20 seconds in, yeah. into the song. I wondered if you could talk about those synths that are happening there as the sort of chords are sort of like moving up. What cool. So there's there's a couple different things happening. Um, and I think what you might have been talking about earlier with the, the chord movement, um, often what happens with the way I write is the chord movement sort of emerges from multiple melodies. So... Is actually the kind of foundation synth. And then on top of that, there's this other layer of sort of chords. I like and then on top. There's like this little swell that I really like in that. Sounds beautiful. Yeah, so that's I think that that second sort of layer of chords has got a bit of a, a swell to it. That's, so that's, I think, a particular Ableton synth. And then again, on top of that, there'll always be sort of a melodic. Are those, be are those bells that I hear? 
Yeah, so the, so the bells, uh, again, that was a particular melody that sort of never existed in the original song. And it was actually when we started playing it live um, that Jeremy, the keyboardist, sort of was looking for something to do. And so I thought, oh, cool, I'm going to play a melody in this section. And then it was only once we started playing it live that he sort of discovered this melody, which we later later added into the actual um, production. So that that's actually just using uh, Ableton's operator, that particular kind of bell yeah. sound. Oh, it sounds great. It sounds great. So usually I would do this section sort of like in in the middle or so of of the podcast, but I think just as you were talking about it, it made sense just to go for it. So I'll probably mm. I'll probably just go back to the beginning and I'll just start with some of the uh, kind of simple questions about how you got started with Ableton and everything, if that's okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks for going into so much depth about that track. It's just, it's fantastic that you have the capability just to uh, send a, send the track to me and solo <laughs> things. It's really, really handy. So I'll you. send you. I'll send you the. Uh, it's an application called Loopback. Yeah. Which just lets you feed audio between different applications, really. Yeah. So it's uh, quite handy for for exactly what you're doing, really. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds great. Sounds great. Okay, so question one. How or why did you get started with Ableton? <laughs> so uh, I think to answer that, probably have to ask how or why I got started with music production, really. Um, so in essence, I got started with music production because, uh, as I mentioned, I started in bands, and then so there was this need to record what we were doing. So uh, at the time, I had uh, just a, a MacBook and... Garage Band, uh, as I think many people probably start with Garage Band, yeah. and just started using that to record the band, just record basic demos, um, and then from there I wanted to figure out how to improve the quality of those demos. So I started researching what EQs are and compressors and all that sort of thing, and kind of went down the rabbit hole of of music production. Uh, from GarageBand, I graduated onto Logic and used Logic for a couple years, um, and that's when I started getting more into the electronic production side of things and discovering synthesis and actually writing uh, my own music with computers. Um, and it just so happened that one day I kind of I'd always heard about Ableton, um, and just one day I thought, oh, I'm going to give this Ableton thing a try, see what it's about, um, and. Yeah, sort of used it initially was kind of a bit apprehensive because it's a very different workflow, especially to to something like Logic. Um, but for whatever reason, I persisted, and it actually took me about a year to fully switch over from Logic to Ableton. Um, but now that I have, I, I've done it a couple times where I go back to Logic, and I think, how did I ever make music with this program? And uh, there's just all these things that I can do in Ableton that that I can never do in Logic. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah, that's really how I got to Ableton was just kind of through that journey through through music production, um, and so that was about five or six years ago I think that I started using Ableton. Um, yeah, and now I mean that's exclusively pretty much all I use. Oh, really, really cool. So you obviously use Ableton. You use it in the studio, but you also use it live too. Yeah, is that correct? Yeah. And so live, when you're playing live, I take it, are you behind a kit or what is your, what are you doing when you're, when you're playing live with Ableton? What is your role? So it's a bit of both. Um, I, my sort of standard live setup is just a push uh, and I like using the push one 
for live. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so just, just laptop and push um, and doing various things within Ableton, controlling effects, launching scenes. So this, the standard kind of live performance stuff that people do with that. Uh, but then very recently in our sets, I've started playing drums as well, which has been great for me to get back to that. Um, and so then I'm, I'm sort of jumping between triggering stuff in Ableton for one particular song, and then I might have a section of a song where I, I trigger it and Ableton's kind of handling everything and just sort of playing stuff, and then I can hop on a kit and play a beat and then get off the kit and get back onto Ableton and uh, trigger the next section and, and do whatever I'm doing in Ableton. Occasionally as well, sort of, handing uh, over control to Jeremy, the other band member as well. So he, if I'm on the kit and something needs to happen, he can still hit a button to trigger the next scene in Ableton or launch a particular effect or whatever whatever it is that we need to do. Take it you're probably using like a MacBook Pro in some sort of interface? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a, a MacBook Pro. And then we're actually using um, an amazing interface uh, called a, a, it's a by Presonus, the Studio studio live 1602 yeah um and why we love it love it so much is actually this it's a it's a mixing desk essentially it's like a 16 channel mixing desk but you hook it in to and so as an, it functions as an audio interface as well um so you hook it into the laptop but then you can connect it to a wireless network so for all our gigs we travel with our own sort of dedicated router um which then allows you to essentially control the desk wirelessly so for all our gigs uh, our entire mix and sort of setup is saved onto the desk so we can just arrive at a gig, load it up and then we give the front of house engineer an iPad and he can connect to our network and mix wirelessly from front of house oh, that's and then we, can, we can each control our monitors uh, via our iPhones um, just with a little app so it just yeah, I mean from our setup that we had before where we were having to deal with monitoring engineers uh, being able to just adjust our own monitors and get things sounding exactly like we want them uh, is yeah is amazing yeah so how many like sort of different outputs are you sending you know sending to the interface you know like what does mm. your sound guy have you know because often uh, often when i'm playing live now this is quite a more this is a really stripped back thing compared to what you guys have going but we usually sort of we're playing we're using an interface that kind of has like four or six outs and mm. we're usually kind of using sort of like uh maybe you know one one for anything sort of like drums percussion related and then maybe like uh maybe another two for like synths um and then we've got like on number four is just sort of like our click basically mm. metronome and any sort of like vocal cues that are just being played in our ears you know kind of guiding us through the songs yeah. so i just wondered if you could sort of talk about like what what is the rooting like like uh you know our yes it's actually pretty much very similar to what you've just described so when i'm setting up our songs for for live I, I will generally stem them out to four uh sometimes five different tracks it'll be so drums and percussion will be on one sometimes i separate the drums and percussion um then i'll have bass on another uh sort of samples on one and again samples sometimes i separate out between two tracks because samples for me would include sort of general effects but also sometimes might include uh, little extra backing vocals so sometimes i might put backing vocals on their own separate track um, and then 
another track for synths, which again just sort of encompasses everything. And then for certain songs, um, because we used to play with it, we used to have a dedicated guitarist, but he just couldn't, it didn't have enough time to be in the band full time, but we still do a lot of guitar recording. Um, so I often have a separate track for the pre-recorded guitar, but I have it on a separate track so that I can affect it individually to, to make it sound a bit more live and not just sound yeah. like a, a backtrack guitar. Um, and then we'll, yeah, we'll also have the click track uh, running out because everything we do is to click. Um, similar to, to what you mentioned, we'll also have uh, occasionally have like a vocal guide track um, just with little cues like, okay, uh, get ready for the chorus or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, which is, is definitely find very helpful. Um, and then we'll have two sort of live synth tracks. So I'll have a, a synth track set up with various sort of synths and samples that I can trigger from Ableton and trigger on the push to be able to add things live to the track. Um, and then Jeremy's also using a, he's got a machine, which okay. is also connected to my laptop and he's triggering stuff in Ableton there as well. So he's also got his own dedicated sort of synth track. Oh, wow. That sounds great. Have you ever had, you know, things not go right? Because it sounds like um, it sounds like you, you would have plenty of opportunities for things to not work as they should. <laughs> yeah, it's always mildly frightening getting on stage with a laptop because um, you never know when, when things can go wrong. Um, fortunately, I've, I haven't had too much go wrong, but I have had one uh, time where absolutely the worst possible thing that could go wrong went wrong. Um, I've never actually had anything go wrong with Ableton specifically, which is great. Um, I've had, I mean, I've had crashes with Ableton before, but never in a live situation, fortunately. Um, I generally try to, when I'm setting up my live sets, and that's one of the reasons why I use stems, is keep it quite light on the processing. So all the stems are running audio, and they're already pre-mixed, so there's no effect. So the only thing really using processing power is uh, the live synths. Um... And then also what makes stuff even more interesting is we also have live visuals when we perform. Oh, so running wicked. running on the running on the same laptop, I also have uh, Resolume. So I'm running both Ableton and Resolume at the same time. Is that, does that do the visuals or? Yeah, so Resolume is a, a VJ program. It works very similar to Ableton where you can sort of launch clips and things. Um, and what's great about having it on the same machine is I can send MIDI between Ableton and Resolume very easily yeah. so that I can, instead of having to have two separate controllers for the visuals and the audio, I can actually just link controllers in Ableton so that if I tweak an effect in Ableton, it automatically tweaks a corresponding effect in the visual software. If I trigger a clip in Ableton, it'll trigger a a video clip, um, which is great. But then that does mean that I'm running two like fairly resource-intensive applications on the same computer, uh, which makes it a little bit more scary. But fortunately, the way Resolume works is most of the processing gets done by the graphics card because it's a visual application, whereas Ableton's working on the CPU. So they kind of, in a way, they're not using the same resources. So it seems to handle fine. Um, although my fans go a bit nuts on my computer. Yeah. Now, d- does Resolume, does that come with any, and obviously I know nothing nothing about it, so sorry if this is a stupid question, but does it come with any like sort of like built-in stock footage or is like every bit of footage you have to use, is it sort of stuff that you have to import? Yeah, you, you'd have to import it. It doesn't have any stock footage. It does have sort of basic generators or like visual synthesizers, if you will. Yeah. Um, sort of very basic ones. It's not, 
the, the world of VJing is, is quite a dark and uh, underground world. So it's not as developed as something like Ableton. Yeah, um, sure. So, yeah, there's kind of a lot of hacking together that, that you end up having to do with Resolume. It's a great piece of software that I really, for me, it's, it gives me as much joy as Ableton does. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, do you know, that's something that I will definitely look into because it's something that I've been wanting to do for quite a while, wanting to be able to sort of combine, you know, the live show with the sort of live footage that's being triggered by Ableton as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, it's, it makes it very easy to do with Resolume. But, um, sorry, I got sidetracked a bit from, from uh, things going wrong in a live situation. The one, so fortunately, the, the only time it's ever happened to me, uh, it was actually a problem with the interface. And we were sort of mid-set, I think we were about three songs into the set, and computer just crashed. No sound. Uh, Ableton was still open, still playing, but the sound completely dropped, and we just couldn't figure out Nightmare. What, what was going on. Uh, so we had to stop, just put on the house music, um, and restart the computer, restart the, the interface. Cool, everything was good, we were getting sound restarted the song we were on about 30 seconds into the song same thing happened uh, it crashed and basically long story short is that was the end of the gig for us because um yeah we just it just wouldn't uh, wouldn't get going oh, uh, what i later no. what i later discovered is that it was actually a faulty firewire cable oh, and okay. that kept sort of crashing the interface which is a bit of a pain um but that's yeah that's the only time that i've had sort of a show-stopping problem fortunately yeah it's always tough when that goes when something like that goes on because there's so many so many things that it it could be there's so many different variables so yeah exactly you know, and you can't really find so out if, until you can just really dig in with it and sort of uh yeah trial so what, error. I've, what i've actually started doing um for basically preparing for that situation because ironically before that happened, I did have like a, a disaster plan that if ever sort of Ableton crashed or whatever, or my laptop crashed or whatever it was, um, I always carry around with me a flash drive that has the Ableton installer, uh, my whole live set with all the samples and um, any other sort of applications I need to perform the set. Um, so I can just plug in to someone else's computer if, if there's another computer around, get stuff set up and get going. In this particular case, there was no other computer around, so that was the end of the show. But what I started doing as like an ultimate backup is I actually have all the just completely stemmed out backtracks for our songs on my iPhone. Yeah. So like absolute worst case scenario, I can just plug my iPhone in with like an aux cable into a mixing desk and just hit play on the backtracks and um, the, Jeremy, the vocalist, can still sing over it, so it's got a bit of a live element, but at least it's not the end of the show at least yeah. there's still some music happening yeah yeah and i take it there's no click on that so you guys would just have to sort of crank it loud in your ears <laughs> to be able to yeah exactly and yeah. just fly blind a bit but that's like absolute worst case scenario oh wow well that is really cool to hear about your story i find too and i've said this before like i find if you have the backup plan in place then usually nothing will go wrong. <laughs> exactly. It's when you don't have the backup in place that it, it does go wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. Well, thanks thanks for that. That is really, really helpful. I want to go into a few other questions, if that's all right. Yeah, no, of course. 
thanks thanks again for your time what do you usually default to do you like to start in the session view or do you like to start in the arrangement view so i'll generally always start my writing process in the session view um and just use it to sketch out lots and lots of ideas um so i think the session view is obviously for for people who get started with ableton it's something that's quite novel and they don't initially get really what it's it's useful for yeah because it's um, so used to working left to right it, yeah exactly um but i find it's, it's a really great I, I like to call it when i'm sort of teaching people about ableton i like to call it the sketching view because it is very much about just sketching out lots of ideas really quickly um you can load up a track hit record on a clip lay down a loop load up another track hit record another clip lay down something on top of that then load another track lay down a drum pattern then maybe create a new clip and create a different drum pattern and sort of within half an hour you can have like 30 to 40 different loops um and you've got the foundations of a song really uh so then at that point i'll start moving over to the arrangement view i might come back to it at a later session at a later session and work more in the session view and add more ideas uh but i'll start taking all those ideas that i've created in the session view and moving them over to the arrangement and starting to structure them in an actual uh, kind of song structure and song order. Right. Okay. That's really cool. Really cool. I think I I used to start, always start in session view and then kind of work my way over to arrangement view. And now for whatever reason, I usually start in arrangement view. I, I mm. guess I start there because I know I'm going to end up there. So I just think, mm -hmm. okay, I'll just start by dragging, maybe dragging in like a drum loop and then yeah. just, you know, playing some sort of like keys or synths over top of that just to try and, you know, as I'm trying to get an idea out and, yeah. then, go, and then go from there. Yeah. yeah the, thing I the thing I love about the session view is just how much flexibility it gives you when, when you're writing. Because if you... You can, I mean, you can do a similar thing in the arrangement view if you set up like a loop region. You can lay yeah. down a, a drum beat and then add parts on top of that. But then if you want to try out a different drum beat, you've got to mute the existing drum beat, move it to the side, record something else in. Whereas in the session view, it's just stop the one drum beat and hit record on the next one and you're going and you can record another idea. And then once you've recorded those ideas, instead of sort of the arrangement view option where you have to move various clips around and sort of lay them out to be able to try different ideas in the session you can just trigger different clips in different orders and try very quickly try different ideas yeah. for, for sketching so that's yeah that's again why i like it so much just for sketching out ideas really quickly yeah can you tell us about some of your favorite uh ableton stock plugins mm -hmm. uh, all of them <laughs> uh, so i only um i'm kind of quite strict with myself about only using stock ableton plugins i have maybe two third-party plugins that I use um, for a number of reasons. Uh, one just being that I think the Ableton, the stock Ableton plugins are amazing. Um, and really, there's like absolutely everything that I need. Probably my favorite plugin is uh, Operator because I use that for just about any of my synth sounds uh, is Operator. Uh, although I'm also madly in love with the sampler uh, just because of so the sound design capabilities of, of what you can do with that. Yeah. I take it you are using Live Suite? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, 
And the next question is favorite third-party plugin, which <laughs> sounds like there's only two <laughs> options. Yeah, there's not too many options. Um, well, just about the only third-party plugin that I, I ever use is one called Plus Delay. Yeah. By I think it's by Soundhack. Okay. Um, which is actually a, a free plugin, um, and it comes as part of. It's I think it's called the Delay Trio that you can download for free from the Soundhack website. And it's just like an analog model delay that sounds fantastic. And it's got the sort of all the characteristics of an analog delay where if you adjust the delay speed, it does the whole pitching thing. You can get it to feedback sort of infinitely and then play with the, the delay time to create all, all sorts of sort of noises and screeches and that drones sounds, and things. That sounds really cool. Each week I try and do a section where I uh, present the listeners with a free plugin. So today okay, cool. you've just done my job for me. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, Plus Delay is amazing. Uh, and actually the whole, all, all of the free plugins that are available from Soundhack are really good. Um, they're kind of weird in that they have absolutely awful user interfaces. Like yeah. they just look, they just look horrible, <laughs> which is quite unappealing, but they sound amazing. So. Oh, <laughs> okay. Wicked. Um, can you give us a tip? for someone who's just getting started with Ableton? So something they may not know that you think would actually be quite helpful? I mean, it would be, my, my number one tip would be explore the session view. Yeah. Because um, I think a lot of people get daunted by it and then just ignore it and just work in the arrangement view. But really, you lose out on so many really cool opportunities and ways of working uh, by not using the session view. Yeah. So I think anyone who's, yeah, anyone who's getting started with Ableton is actually learn the session view first because once you get to grips with that, then the arrangement view is very easy. So don't don't neglect the session view. That's my my okay. tip. Okay, that's that's a good tip. Um, is there something that Ableton currently doesn't do that you wish it did? There are quite a few things. Um, I've got. Uh, I think I, I keep somewhere uh, a list of my own sort of feature requests that I want with the, the ultimate goal of sending it to Ableton one day, but I don't know what difference it would really make. Yeah. Um, I, so I used to use Pro Tools a lot because um, I, I used to work in studios back in the day. Um, and I always loved for tracking and recording the ability to really easily record multiple takes. So Pro Tools has, it's got like its playlist yeah. the way it works with playlists and, yeah. and logic as well has take folders um so that's sort of the one thing for me that is lacking about ableton is the ability to work really easily with mul large multi-track recordings yeah so uh, i still actually if i'm ever recording a band or a drum kit if i'm wanting to add like live drums to my electronic productions i'll still actually use pro tools for the recording parts and then i'll sort of bounce it down and export it to Ableton once I've done that. But I just find it a lot easier to, to track in Pro Tools um, just because of that ability that it has to do multiple takes really easily. So if Ableton could add something like that for audio recording, um, I would be a happy man. Yeah. Now, they, perhaps there is a way to do this, so you can let me know if I'm wrong. But one of my things that I've, it's just quite a small thing that I haven't liked about Ableton, is like in Logic, it's really easy to um, both kind of like uh, shrink or expand the screen to the left, to the right. So yeah, I, I could do that in Ableton. But what I don't know a command for 
is to um, basically expand it vertically. So in logic, that's really easy. I think it's just like uh, command, command up or down and command left or right will kind of shrink or expand it. Mm. And in Ableton, I don't think there's a key command that will uh, vertically expand it, you know, <coughs> to make your tracks a lot like sort of bigger vertically. So like you could see more of the waveform or more of the, the MIDI kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, so I know I know that you can do it by going over sort of if you're in the arrangement view, if you go over to the right-hand side and you sort of hover over the title, whatever instrument, you can usually just drag it up or down and it will yeah. be bigger. But I don't know that there's a key command for that, which again, this is just quite a small thing, but I thought I'd ask if you knew of anything. Yeah, no, the, the answer is no, there, there isn't, as far as I know. Um, there, is, there are key commands for zooming in left yeah, and right ways, left and right, yeah. but not for, for scaling it vertically. Yeah. And I know, I know I've, I've heard that from quite a few people, that that's something that they would, they would like to have. Yeah, it's just something small, but perhaps it's something they'll include in Ableton 10. Yeah. Can you tell us about what you have on your master chain or what you don't have on the, your master chain? So when I'm when I'm writing, I try to have as little as possible on my master chain. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll always just sort of have a limiter on there, um, which even just that Ableton sort of, stock limiter. Yeah, yeah, Ableton stock limiter, just really to stop it clipping. Yeah. Um, but even that, do I'm, you have I'm, it kind of set at zero or? Yeah, literally just the default setting, set at zero with the ceiling at uh, sort of minus point three dB. Yeah. Uh, just to catch sort of extraneous uh, peaks and things. Um, but yeah, the reason being is uh, I like to keep it blank while I'm writing just because having anything on there I know is going to affect the sound. Yeah. And then when I get to actually mixing, if I pull all that stuff off and suddenly something sounds sounds different, um, then I I've, I've, may have wasted a lot of time tweaking something uh, earlier on in, in the stage. So when I'm writing, I try to keep it just completely blank on yeah. the master chain. Um and then when I'm when I'm sort of producing as well when I'm mixing as well I'll, I'll leave the master train completely empty and try and mix the sort of minus six dB yeah or or minus twelve kind of I know people use different standards for that um, so again have the the master chain blank and just have a limiter there to to catch extraneous peaks and then when I'm actually mastering um, that's the only other time that I use the third party plugin sorry just, hang on a sec. Sorry, my, I live in a, a small studio apartment. So yeah, that's okay. Fine, it's just working, walking around. I'm just going to wait for a day. Um, so, yeah, so the only other time that I use third-party plugins is I use uh, Isotope Ozone for mastering. Oh, okay, yeah. Which I, I really enjoy, um, and all the sort of modules of it I, I find are quite good for mastering and get great sound out of it. Um, but interestingly... Now, when we were finishing the album with Original Swimming Party, the Jeremy, the other guy in the band, doesn't have Ozone. So when we were mastering together and sending session files back and forth, so I couldn't use Ozone for mastering. Right. Uh, so we had to just work with Ableton stock plugins, which actually worked out quite nicely because I think, yeah, they do a, a pretty good job. That's right. And can you just tell us what, what some of your uh, you know plugins are that you would use for mastering the sort of Ableton stock ones or using like the glue compressor and uh yeah so I'll, I'll definitely use the glue compressor every now and then um i use it that a lot in mixing because uh, i love the glue and 
I love just sort of putting the the soft limiter on and cranking up the volume on the glue compressor to drive it. You get really nice sort of warm analog sounds out of that. Um, so I'll occasionally use that very lightly in mastering uh, to get just a little bit of smoothing out on the compression and then also to get like a little bit of analog warmth out of it. The obviously EQ8 is super handy just as a, a mastering EQ. And it's something that a lot of people don't know is you can actually right click on the title bar of EQ8 yeah. and it's got a high precision mode or I think it's labeled as oversampling. Uh, which is essentially like a, a, I don't think it's quite a linear phase EQ, but it's something like a linear phase EQ, um, which is is great for mastering because you get like an even more transparent sound. It's already pretty transparent, um, but if you turn the oversampling on, uh, you just get a bit of a higher quality EQ. Oh, so wicked. That's, so that's great for mastering. Um, and it's actually, a, a, I love the EQ. The sound of it is, for me, is great. And I think the interface is pretty fun to use. Uh, occasionally, I'll use the just the standard lives compressor in mastering as well. Um, another sort of kind of handy tip, something that I'll use, and this is a trick that I discovered uh, having moved from Ozone because Ozone has the exciter module uh, within it, which is so like a harmonic exciter is just for, for people who don't know what a harmonic, harmonic exciter is. So an EQ deals with frequency, but an EQ can only boost or cut frequencies that are already there. Uh, and yeah. sometimes you'll have a sound where you might not have particular frequencies because you didn't record them properly or there's phasing going on or for whatever reason, you've lost those frequencies and boosting it with an EQ is not going to get them back. So an exciter actually adds in frequencies that, that don't exist using sort of all sorts of various distortion uh, things and it creates harmonics and all that sort of stuff. I'm not going to get into the technical details. But um, in Live Suite, there's the overdrive device, which can actually be turned into an exciter. Okay. Uh, so I'll use that sometimes in mastering uh, and mixing as well as an exciter. And that actually works if you turn the dynamics control on the overdrive all the way down um, and then you can sort of play around with the drive and the tone and the other controls in it and of course the dry wet uh, and it behaves a little bit like an exciter. That's a great tip. Thank you. Okay, Thomas, thank you so much for your time and I just want to finish off with a few more things. So this is the quick fire round. And I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, and I'm just looking for sort of like two or three word answers. Are you ready? Yes. Cool. Question one, what's your favorite stock Ableton plugin? Operator. Cool. Favorite third-party plugin? It's, it's a plugin called Plus Delay by Soundhack. Yes, great one. If you had to choose one or the other, session view or arrangement view? Session view. Analog or digital? Ooh, digital. Best plugin for drums? Uh, well, addictive drums. I don't know if you mean like as in for processing drums or for creating drums. Whatever you want. Glue, well, for creating drums, addictive drums is great for like drum samples. For processing drums, the glue compressor is amazing. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, favorite mic for vocals? <laughs> Whatever's around. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is better for you, Silent or Serum? Neither. <laughs> okay. Favorite plugin for synth bass? Uh, probably Operator. Dubstep or House? Uh, house. Real drums or samples? Ooh, 
real drums. I'm a drummer, so I've got to go with real drums. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, Thomas, thank you so much again for your time. I just want to finish by giving you a chance to plug yourself, anything you've got going on. Uh, I know you do a lot, so say whatever you want. Cool. Uh, I mean, the, the sort of main thing that I'm trying to focus on now is uh, I'm trying to do a lot of work on my website, um, which is elephant.co.za, but spelt a little bit weirdly. It's spelt E-L-P-H-N-T dot C-O dot Z-A. Um, I'm busy working on kind of updating a lot of the devices and live packs that I have on there um, and sample packs and things, um, as well as just sort of generally vamping up the site. So... Yeah, if you want to, and, and sort of everything that I, usually everything that I'm up to, I'll, I'll kind of post about on the website or on my social media. So if you want to check out anything about what I'm currently up to and what I'm doing, that is the best place to go. Oh, great. Thank you very much. Are you on Twitter, Facebook, anything I like that? I am on Twitter. I'm uh, Elephant, again, spelled weirdly, but I, think, I think it's Elephant X on Twitter because I don't know how, but apparently someone had taken already taken elephant yeah. spelt weirdly on twitter so it's at uh, e-l-p-h-n-t-x on twitter and then i think it's facebook.com forward slash also forward slash elephant x on facebook yeah it's the one great well thanks again i so appreciate you uh giving up your time and your advice that's oh, a pleasure and i appreciate really 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 helpful for me because i love I love using Ableton in the live situation and you're a guy who, you know, has, has done it many times and you've had it go right, you've had it go wrong. <laughs> Indeed. So you're, you're full of useful tips, so thank you. Cool, man. That's a, always a pleasure. Okay, episode three, in the can, in the bag. Thank you again, Thomas. You're an amazing man. So, like I did last time, uh, this is rewarding anyone rewarding or punishing i should say anyone who hasn't bothered to uh, stop the podcast so here we go pearls of wisdom from nat saturn if you haven't gathered this is just pure mayhem pure rubbish and just whatever nat wants to say we let him say it see you next time they say the secret to a successful life is making beats with ableton and i would agree i tell you Make beats and dance with no pants, but make sure you have underpants. Kevin for days and lemonade for all day and all night. I sip lemonade while I rap and while I make beats. And you know what guys? My tongue is coated with a tasty sugary coating that helps me taste the flavors of Ableton in an intense and vivid way. So if you don't drink lemonade and make beats at the same time, you're missing out on a world of flavor-shocking experiences. Hip-hop, Nat Saturn, road mics, and other things that I'm looking at and yelling about. Push pins in the wall all day, dog.